Wake up, America. It's Morning Air with John Morales. Si, senor. Sarah Tafoya. Hey, that's my mom. And Glenn Leverins. Bringing the light of Christ to start your day. This is Morning Air. <laughs> on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. It's Monday, January 8th. Good morning and welcome back to a brand new hour of Morning Air on the Feast of the Baptism of the Lord. I'm John Morales along with Glenn Leverens and studio producer Sarah Tafoya. Thanks so much for joining us all across America and beyond, wherever you may be listening to us here on Relevant Radio and the new and improved Relevant Radio app. Now, can you believe that today is the last day of the Christmas season here what? in America? Yes. I don't, what? Already? <laughs> I, I, it's, it's just flown by. I, Advent was so short, and the Christmas season has been uh, short as well. But yes, it is. Uh, uh, according to the bishops, this is the last day uh, here in, in the U.S. So all day long, we can continue to still say Merry Christmas, Sarah. Very good. Merry Christmas, John. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Let's also keep in mind that across the pond in Rome and in some other Hispanic countries and some other European countries, the traditional end of the Christmas season is the Feast of the Presentation of the Lord on February 2nd. Uh, so uh, if you want to do as they do in Rome, you can still keep your Christmas decorations up for a few more uh, days, perhaps a few more weeks. Uh, it's it's totally up to you. But on paper, officially here in this country, uh, today is the end of the Christmas season. So I want to bring in Glenn and Sarah once again. Uh, Sarah, I understand you started taking down a few uh, decorations yesterday. Yeah, you know, it had to happen. Uh, we have a couple of birthday parties coming up, so we had to do a little rotation in the decorations. So since we uh, got to celebrate Jesus for a good amount of time, we had to start taking stuff down. Man, it is a big overhaul. I'm exhausted. Sunday's supposed to be the day of rest. <laughs> I should have... Took a little bit easy. There's still a little bit up because we couldn't get to everything. But uh, yeah, we started uh, started rolling it back in, in the boxes and make sure, you know, it's a big, uh, uh, it's like a game of Tetris trying to get it all back in there. You know, wonder how you got it in there in the first place. Glenn, what about you? Yeah, we took down the big tree on uh, on Saturday and some of this stuff, but I've still got a bunch of stuff uh, in the office going, so I'm still hoping to get some of those extended graces for, for keeping my, my decorations up in the old style of Catholicism. So I hope that uh, the Lord takes... <laughs> well, I tell you, after talking to Ashley last week uh, uh, from Rome, she reminded us uh, that in Rome they keep those decorations up in those churches and the town squares and St. Peter's Square. Uh, they keep them up until February 2nd. So I thought, you know, I think I'm going to keep my beautiful nativity scene up uh, for just a little while longer uh, as well as uh, the Christmas tree and all the other stuff. Did so, you talk to Sydney about this? Did she say that's okay to keep all the decorations she, up? She's good with it because, you know, obviously <laughs> we would all be uh, working together to take everything down. So we're going to we're gonna put it off for just a little bit more. But uh, on paper, uh, today is officially the end of the Christmas season. All right, uh, Glenn, what are a couple of items uh, that we should keep an eye on uh, in the news this morning? Well, apparently the end of uh, wrangling over the federal budget season as well. Looks like there is an agreement to keep the government running through 2024, the fiscal year anyway. It only costs, uh, let's see, $1.7 trillion. But uh, Chuck Schumer from the uh, Senate and Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson, came together to make that announcement yesterday. So we won't be hearing those, uh-oh, what's going to happen at the end of the week stories for a while. A trillion here, a trillion there, it's only money. Yeah, I'm kind of covered. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> got it covered. Yeah, let's say our, our hope our grandchildren can say the same thing. Yeah, right? it's only somebody right. else's money. That's why it's right. easy to do. Right. I, I, I'm kidding, of course, but uh, you know, it just never ceases to amaze me. You know, when these deadlines, uh, these government shutdown uh, due dates come up, how somehow, some way, they always both sides of the aisle seem to to find a way. Yes, they they did, and that was uh, that was good. That was good. Speaking of finding things, they're finding all sorts of things that got sucked out of the side of the airplane for this plane that A didn't crash and B injured no one seriously. An Alaska Airlines flight Friday from uh, Portland down to Ontario, California, uh, had a section of the plane blow out the side. Uh, it was what could be built to be a door. They were just kind of using it as a window in this uh, particular airliner. But, uh, my goodness, no one was hurt. No one was sitting right next to uh, that hole in the plane. They were at 16,000 feet, so the oxygen masks dropped, and uh, everybody got pretty quiet pretty quick. But it didn't keep them from shooting video you might have seen over the weekend of uh, looking at the stars and the, the lights of Portland out the side of the airplane. But everyone landed fine. They found a lot of stuff, including the door. That'll give them some clues as to... What may have happened? Headrests, seat backs, a tray table also missing from the plane, and even uh, some cell phones were found on the ground. Well, I guess that's a flight they won't forget, huh? <laughs> that's one way to, I know you're flying in the plane, but to see stars so clear <laughs> out, your, out the window there, man, it's a, it, when it's a packed flight, you might get a little nervous being next to that uh, extra door. Goodness. Can you imagine the prayers that were going on during that flight of people of faith when they realized what was happening? And people not of faith, probably, because right. there are yeah, no, no atheists, atheists yeah. in foxholes. Yeah. Thank you. We all know, and those guys in the plane know. There's definitely, you're going to be praying. For sure. Uh, Glenn, are you ready for the big game tonight? Well, John, you're normally a pretty excitable guy, but today you were like a little kid who's opening presents on the 4th of July all wrapped into one. What's going on? I am pretty excited. I got to tell you, you can't see me, but I am wearing maize and blue. I got the blue sweater and the maize shirt underneath, so it uh, kind of gives a hint who I'm rooting for. Uh, the number one ranked Michigan Wolverines, Michigan, and uh, the second ranked Washington Huskies, both 14-0. and They'll be squaring off tonight in Houston on the biggest stage for the college football playoff now. National Championship. Michigan outlasting number four Alabama. Crimson tied 27 20 in dramatic overtime fashion at the Rose Bowl on New Year's Day. That uh, win clinched the Wolverines' first ever appearance in this big game uh, tonight, as heard on ESPN. Three Michigan tight ends in the ballgame. They handed to Corey McGann and makes a cut. First down. Spinston scores. Blake Corey puts Michigan on top in overtime. That's Williams in motion, low snap, Melrose stopped, Michigan makes a stand and comes up with a milestone playoff victory. Meanwhile, the Washington Huskies held on to uh, defeat a Texas 37-31 in a game that came down to the wire in the sh- uh, Sugar Bowl in New Orleans. Texas trailing all night long, one last chance to advance to the national championship game. Ewers loves it up, and it is incomplete. Intended for Mitchell. Elijah Jackson had the coverage. Washington hangs on and wins the All-State Sugar Bowl in the college football playoff semifinal. And so, uh, Glenn, there are a number of really interesting uh, storylines going into tonight's championship game. Yeah, two undefeated teams. Been a while since '97 there for uh, for Michigan, and uh, you know, as uh, 
as a Vikings fan with the season over, eh, you know, another game to cheer for. And maybe a future Viking, Michael Penix, the quarterback for Washington, very good. And the, some think the Vikes might uh, use their uh, their high standing in the draft order this year coming up to, to pick a quarterback. So there's some of my interest. And, you know, we got to give the Huskies fans a little a little love, too, there, John, you know, with uh, you wearing the, the Michigan colors. Oh, there's no question. No, the Huskies have had a, a fabulous uh, season, obviously undefeated, uh, led by their Heisman runner-up quarterback, Michael Penix, uh, who probably would look pretty good in, in a Vikings uniform. Um, the guy is bonafide uh, NFL uh, quarterback prospect and uh he'll he'll be going up against the best defense in the country in the the michigan wolverines uh, their defense is just absolutely uh, outstanding so great offense by the huskies great defense by the wolverines uh let's not forget michigan quarterback jj mccarthy who's 26 and one as a starter so even though he doesn't throw the ball like Penix, uh he's a winner and he's found a way to win. Uh, Michigan, as you mentioned, will be going for their first national championship since the 97 season. Uh, I actually covered that uh, team uh, back in the day uh, as a sports reporter and anchor at Fox 2 Detroit. So a lot of great memories of uh, Michigan football and that uh, big uh, championship game. Uh, thank you, Sarah, for the hail to the victors. Better late than never. Of course. And uh, the Huskies are playing in their first uh, a championship game in program history. So uh, uh, two of the best programs of the winningest program in, in college football history in Michigan against one of the uh, Pac-12's original power programs in uh, Washington. And uh, Glenn, uh, guess who's favorite? Uh, Michigan's favorite a bit there, imagine. And uh, also, we want to you know make sure, John, if you finish all your radio work and eat all your vegetables, you can stay up late and watch the game. Yes, uh, I, I'm planning on taking a little nap this afternoon uh, to, to see if I can make it through the game tonight. But uh, really exciting stuff. And, uh, you know, th- this is the, the beauty of sports. I think it brings people together. And there's going to be a lot of people that love college football all across our country that'll be uh, watching tonight's. It's a big game in Houston. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And so, you know, John just might have a little bit on that game tomorrow morning. So, Well, Michigan is a a four and a half point favorite. But as you know, you got to play the game. So that doesn't really mean a whole lot. No, got to play the game. Got to show up and get it done. For sure. All right. Thanks so much, uh, Glenn and Sarah. Sarah, always appreciate the, the fight song. You got it. Thank you. We start uh, every hour as we always uh, do in prayer, always giving thanks to our Lord for all the many blessings uh, through the intercession of the Mother of God, our Blessed Mother Mary, as uh, we continue uh, to pray as we do every day for uh, peace in our world, especially in the Middle East and in Ukraine. We also uh, pray for peace in our nation, uh, peace in our church, and peace in our families. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Our Lady of Guadalupe, patroness of the Americas, patroness of the unborn, and patroness of Relevant Radio, pray for us. St. Joseph, patron of the Universal Church, pray for us. St. John Paul II, co-patron of Relevant Radio, 
pray for us. And we invoke the Holy Spirit every single show, every single morning when we pray. Come, Holy Spirit, come. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Our power scripture from the Playbook of Life this morning is from Mark 1.11. A voice came from the heavens, You are my beloved Son, with you I am well pleased. On this feast of the baptism of the Lord, listen to the words of Pope Francis, uh, who said yesterday that if you do not know the date of your baptism, you need to look it up so that you can celebrate the anniversary of becoming a child of God and an heir to the kingdom of heaven. The Holy Father went on to say that the anniversary of one's baptism should be celebrated every year just like a birthday. On this last day of uh, the Christmas season here in our country, we should count our blessings and thank the Lord for our own baptism. And we always pray with great confidence that powerful prayer from uh, the Chapel of Divine Mercy, Jesus, I trust in you. You can send us an email directly. It's morningair at relevantradio.com. You can also find us on social media on X, formerly Twitter, at Show is our handle, as well as on Facebook. We need uh, to take a short pause uh, when we come back on the other side. Our spiritual director, the baseball priest, Father Burke Masters, will be with us to uh, talk about the meaning of today's feast of the baptism of the Lord. So stay with us as uh, this Monday edition of Morning Air continues here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Bringing the light of Christ to start your day. This is Morning Air on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Get connected to the conversation. 888-914-9149. 888-914-9149. And welcome back to Morning Air on the Feast of the Baptism of the Lord. I'm John Morales along with Glenn and Sarah, thanks so much for joining us here on Relevant Radio and the new Relevant Radio app. I can still say Merry Christmas all day long today as the, the Christmas season, sadly, is coming to an end today. As always, uh, you can send us an email directly if you have anything on your mind, any thoughts or story ideas. It's morningair at relevantradio.com. And our toll-free line, if you want to be part of the program, uh, sponsored by the Catholic Order of Foresters, Triple eight nine one four nine one four nine. Now uh, today, the Catholic Church is celebrating the Feast of the Baptism of the Lord, which commemorates Jesus' baptism in the Jordan River by Saint John the Baptist. In fact, the Catechism of the Catholic Church describes baptism as the basis of the whole Christian life, the gateway to life in the Spirit, and the door which gives access to the other sacraments. Joining us live is our spiritual director, Father Burke Masters, the pastor of Saint. Isaac Jokes Parish in Hinsdale, Illinois, with much more on the meaning of uh, today's Feast of the Baptism of the Lord. Father Burke is the author of his new book, A Grand Slam for God, A Journey from Baseball to Catholic Priest. He's also the Chicago Cubs Catholic chaplain known as the Baseball Priest and a longtime Morning Air contributor. Good morning, Father Burke. Uh, Merry Christmas, and the uh, first time I can say Happy New Year uh, to you. Uh, thanks so much uh, for uh, being with us here this morning once again. Uh, it's always a joy, and yes, Merry Christmas to you on this 
great feast day and end of the Christmas season. Well, it's the end of the Christmas season, and it's also the end of the college football season tonight. I know as a former uh, Division One athlete and baseball player at Mississippi State, you must have uh, some uh, thoughts on tonight's uh, big national championship game between number one Michigan and number two Washington. I do. I'm, I'm looking forward to the game. Um, I, I know you're a big Michigan fan, and I have two uh, – players that I know on the team. So JJ McCarthy and Tyler Morris both played high school football here at Nazareth Academy, which is five minutes from where uh, my parish is. And I used to celebrate mass for the team before their games. And so really good young men and uh, excited for them to be playing for the national championship. I don't have any personal connections to Washington, so I'll be pulling for Michigan tonight in the big game. Well, uh, that makes the two of us. Uh, I, I don't know J.J. McCarthy uh, personally, uh, but uh, he is uh, he has shown outstanding leadership uh, uh, on the field. I believe he's 26-1 and one as a starter, which is even better than the, uh, the GOAT, uh, Tom Brady, than what he did when he was uh, at Michigan. Yes, it, it's hard to argue against winning. I, I know some people say, well, he... He's not passing as well as he could, or you know, they're they're picking apart his game. But some people just win, and I think he has that, as you said, leadership and and talent just to bring the best out of his team and and find ways to win the game. And so, I think he'd be a great NFL quarterback, and it'll be interesting to see if and when he he goes in the draft this year. Yeah, he doesn't need to pass as much with that Michigan offense because of their their focus on the running game. Uh, Jim Harbaugh is uh, a a Catholic, and uh, he's uh, very proud of it, and he's mentioned it many, many times. He's also very pro-life, uh, the, the head coach of Michigan. So, you know, it, it's hard not to, to root for those two guys, despite Harbaugh's controversies this year. Yes, I remember when he came to Nazareth when he was recruiting JJ and Tyler, and you know there was obviously a buzz around the stadium when when he showed up. And uh, you know it's 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 great when people use their the platform that they're given in sports to to share their faith. And that's you know you mentioned I'm the chaplain for the Cubs. That that's a big reason why we have the Catholic athletes for Christ is try to help these men you know share their faith because whether they want to or not, millions of people follow them because of the the platform they're given in professional sports or in high-profile college sports. Well, uh, Father Burke, uh, I don't know if you caught uh, Harbaugh when he was um, on uh, ESPN uh, when they announced uh, the you know the, the final four and uh, named Michigan number one uh, going into the uh, the bowl championship series. But the first thing out of his mouth was he wanted to give thanks and praise to our, our Lord uh, Jesus Christ, and he said this on national TV in front of the world to see. So that's uh, that's pretty bold. It is, and is, and you know, I pray that they, he and and others continue to, you know, proclaim Christ. You know, when I was uh, playing in college, my life revolved around the the game of baseball, and, and I thought that was all that that existed. You know, and I got my identity from being a baseball player. Now, years later, I realized it's a great game: football, baseball, all sports, but ultimately. It's not about winning or losing in that game. It's about winning and losing in the game of life, if you will, and following Christ and giving over our life to him. 
All right. Well, let's talk about uh, today's uh, big uh, feast, uh, the, the the baptism of the Lord, uh, which marks uh, an end to the glorious Christmas season. Uh, Father, what is the significance uh, of this feast? Yeah, this is a, a really important feast for the church and for me personally. So it marks, you know, yesterday we celebrated the Epiphany, which is, you know, Jesus being manifested as the Son of God with the arrival of the the Magi. And then today we have the baptism of the Lord, which is another epiphany, if you will, another revelation that Jesus is the Son of God. As, you know, as John baptizes Jesus, the heavens open up, the Holy Spirit descends in the form of a dove upon Jesus, and the voice of the Father is heard. One of the few times in Scripture we, we have the voice of God the Father uh, quoted, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. It, it's hard to get more uh, obvious with God the Father saying these words about Jesus, about his identity. And then, so not only does this feast day end the Christmas season, but it begins his public life. So he starts his three-year public ministry after the baptism. And so we're going to be launched into what we call ordinary time, not meaning that it's ordinary, but we're ordinal in Latin means like to count. We count the weeks between now and when Ash Wednesday begins to begin the Lenten season. But we're going to be looking at what did Jesus do in his public ministry uh, for the next few weeks. There's got to be folks out there who are wondering uh, why would Jesus need to be baptized? Good question, right? So what happens in baptism is, you know, we're, we were removed from the stain of original sin. And if you're baptized like me as an adult, it removes all of our personal sin. And of course, we know that Jesus is the sinless Lamb of God. He did not need to be baptized, but he willingly went into the waters of baptism to show solidarity with us, to carry all of our sins into the water, to die with him. And then as he comes out of the water, you can hear this in, in our baptismal rite, you know, that we die with Christ as we are immersed into the water, and then we rise to new life with him. So he's showing us the path of dying to sin and rising to new life. And by his entering those waters of the Jordan River, he's sanctifying the waters of baptism for all of us. And and I love, I, I repeat the words uh, that the Pope says, you know, we should celebrate our birthday, but it, even in a bigger way, we should, one, know our baptismal day and then celebrate it because that's the day God claims us as his adopted sons and daughters, and it's a life changer. Yeah, it's a great reminder but from our Holy Father. Uh, uh, he, he said that our, our uh, baptism day should be uh, as, as special as our, our birthday because uh, we become uh, children uh, of God. And the Holy Father actually baptized six babies yesterday, which I believe is a tradition that goes way back uh, to the 80s and uh, Pope St. John Paul II who started it. it it's, a, it's a great day to celebrate baptism on the Feast of the Lord's Baptism. You know, it's something I wasn't truly aware of when I was baptized, and it wasn't until years later. I remember I was baptized May 26, 1985. It was a week before I graduated high school at Providence Catholic High School. And uh, five years later to the day is when I hit a grand slam and went six for six to beat Florida State to get us to the College World Series. Wow. I didn't make that connection 
until years later, someone on Facebook mentioned it was the anniversary of my Grand Slam, which is, that's where the title of my book comes from. And I realized, wow, that was the same day of my baptism. And I thought, you know, only God could orchestrate things like that to, to where the greatest day of my life I thought was my Grand Slam, (laughs) but really it was my baptism when, you know, God took away the stain of original sin, all of my sin before that, and claimed me as his beloved son. And why is that such an important day? You know, for me, I knew intellectually that God loved me, but I didn't really understand the depth of his love. And my spiritual director had me pray with this gospel of the baptism of Jesus. And he said, I want you to hear God speak those words to you, because that's what he does at each of our own baptisms. He calls us by name and he says, you are my beloved son or you are my beloved daughter in whom I'm well pleased. And so I would encourage our listeners to to pray with that, to allow God the Father to speak those words to you, to call you by name and reveal to you your identity in him. When we realize the truth of that identity, not just intellectually, but in our hearts, it changes the way we live. Well, that, that's a, a beautiful story of uh, the connection uh, of that uh, famous Grand Slam and, and your baptism. In fact, I'd like to open up our phone lines and, and bring in our listeners. If you have any questions on the meaning of the sacrament of baptism, uh, do you remember the date of your own baptism? I can tell you I was baptized on uh, 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 June 26th was, was the date, actually, uh, at Holy Name Cathedral uh, here in Chicago uh, as a little tiny baby. Um, what does the baptism of your children, perhaps uh, you can share what that means to you? We'd love to hear from you. We're taking your calls for our spiritual director, Father Burkmasters at 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. Father, the only reason I know that the day of my baptism, because I was a little tiny baby, is I've seen photos of it, and I actually have it jotted down on the back of my first communion holy card so that I never forget the date. Yes, I would encourage us to... And you may say, well, how do I know that if I don't have my baptismal certificate handy? If you know where you are baptized, um, the way the Catholic Church does things with our sacraments is wherever you're baptized, that's your home base. And then every sacrament you receive after that, we send notification back to your baptismal parish. So in your line, it might, it might say Burke Masters, uh, May 26, 1985, baptized, and it, it gives the date of my First Communion, Confirmation, Ordination. Um, And so you can contact your baptismal parish. And if your baptismal parish is for some reason closed, then usually those records either go to the diocese or to the nearest parish that has kind of assumed, uh, you know, the, the parish that you were baptized in. Father, can you explain um, how uh, th- this feast uh, that we're celebrating today, the, the baptism of, of the Lord, is also called a uh, theophany uh, in the Eastern um, Catholic and, and even the Orthodox churches? Yeah, so theophany is this this revelation of God. And uh, as we mentioned yesterday, the epiphany, uh, when the Magi, came and visited Jesus, the star of Bethlehem led them there. It's one of these revelations of, of who God is. Baptism is another one. And and over and over again, we see in Scripture where, you know, whether it's John the Baptist saying, 
behold the Lamb of God, he, he's the one, or God the Father saying, this is my beloved Son in, in whom I'm well pleased. Um, we have these revelations or, or theophanies to say, this is God. For people who, you know, in today's world, everyone wants proof as to their faith, you know, and, and we can't prove 100% uh, things of, of faith, you know, God brings us to a point of, you know, this is me. And then he asks us to take that leap of faith, but our faith is so reasonable. You know, I was preaching yesterday about how, how many of the prophecies in the old Testament are fulfilled in the new and how the person of Jesus fulfills so many prophecies. If you start to study these, you know, about, you know, how the Kings would bring tribute to this, this newborn Messiah, how a star would lead them to Bethlehem of Judea um, over and over again, you start to think, wow, there's, there's a lot of evidence that may not take me to a hundred percent proof, but about 99%. And then I just need to take that leap of the last 1% to, to put my full belief in, in Jesus. Um, Father, uh, there are some uh, of our, uh, Protestant brothers and sisters, and, and I, I mention this because you, having been a, a former uh, Protestant, who, who believe that uh, you become a child of God when you, you do a, a, the sinner's prayer, as opposed uh, to being baptized, uh, born again of water and the Spirit, uh, which is the way that Jesus describes it, which is the way the Church describes it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, we believe in, in the importance of, of baptism, the, the necessity of baptism, if you will. And I know there are some faiths that, that wait until somebody is old enough, you know, to be baptized, as you say, as they, they make the profession of faith. Um, but if we look in Scripture, uh, in the Acts of the Apostles, remember when the, uh, uh, Paul was in jail and, you know, he started, they were just singing God's praises for being able to be you know, jailed and persecuted for the sake of Christ. And as they were singing, their their chains were freed and the doors of the jail flew open. And as they were about to leave, the the jailer was going to kill himself because he knew if he if he allowed these prized prisoners to be set free, he would be killed. And uh, you know, Paul said, "Don't don't kill yourself." And he started to to preach to him the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it says he and his whole household were baptized. Now, we don't have the exact ages of his household, but we believe that, you know, people of all ages were baptized. And there, there's other allusions to that in Scripture. And so I really want to encourage, I, I, I hear the heartache of a lot of grandparents today who say their children are not baptizing their children. And I think sometimes we just think that these sacraments are empty rituals, but there's real grace <laughs> There's real grace in every sacrament. It's God reaching out to touch us. And this baptism is the entryway into the the divine life of God, into the sacramental life where God claims us as his children and opens us up to all the graces that he wants to give us throughout our life. Father Burke, a final thought here, uh, less than a minute to go uh, on how we can reflect on our own baptism today. Yeah, again, I just encourage us to to not only find the date and celebrate it, but to pray with this and to re- take time to reflect today on God's infinite love for you, His claiming you as His own, 
and wanting to have this deep, intimate, personal connection with us. It begins with baptism. We shouldn't get our identity from our work or our family or our children. Those things are important and good. But our fundamental identity that will never change is that you are God's beloved child and he loves you unconditionally. Amen. We'll have to leave it right there. Thank you so much, uh, Father Burke, as always, uh, for being with us here on uh, this day in which we uh, remember the baptism of the Lord. Thank you so much. You're welcome, and go Michigan, John. Thanks. (laughs) Go maize and blue. Father Burke Masters, uh, the... Baseball priest and longtime Morning Air contributor. We need to take a a short break when we come back on the other side. uh, Catholic author and Bible uh, teacher Jeff Cavins will be with us. So stay with us. There's much more to come. Wake up, America. It's Morning Air with John Morales. Sarah Tafoya. And Glenn Leverts on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Welcome back to Morning Air on the Feast of the Baptism of the Lord, the last day of the Christmas season here in the U.S. I'm John Morales, along with Glenn and producer Sarah on the other side of the glass. Thanks so much for joining us on this Monday here on Relevant Radio and the new Relevant Radio app. You can always send us an email directly. It's morningair at relevantradio.com. And you can find us on X, formerly Twitter, at Morning Air Show, as well as on Facebook. Now, today is the last day of the Christmas season here in America. This glorious season, beginning with Advent and culminating today with the baptism of the Lord, has been a great time to reflect from the Bible on the promises of the baby Jesus born in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago. Meditating on sacred scripture is always a great way to prepare our hearts for our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, not only during the Christmas season, but also all year around. As the Catechism of the Catholic Church teaches from the famous words of the great Bible scholar St. Jerome, ignorance of scripture is ignorance of Christ. I recently spoke with Jeff Cavins, the founding host of Morning Air, to talk about reading the Bible to prepare our hearts during this Christmas season and this new year. Jeff Cavins is an author, podcaster, public speaker, and a Bible teacher. He is the creator of the popular Great Adventure Bible Study Series and the Great Adventure Catholic Bible. Jeff is also the author of several books, including his most recent, A Catholic Guide to the Old Testament. He also developed the Bible timeline, the story of salvation. Here's part of my recent conversation with Jeff Cavins just before Christmas. Good morning, Jeff. Welcome back to Morning Air. Thanks so much for being with us. It is a joy to be with you once again. Well, it's good to be with you, John. And that brings back memories, I must say. <laughs> no question about it. You talk about memories, Jeff. I just want you to know that I, I still have my uh, Bible signed uh, signed by you uh, in which you wrote a little uh, note to me that say, John, continue uh, to live your life on the rock. Still have that Bible. Uh, my <laughs> friend, you were a huge influence on me uh, back uh, in uh, my formative years, back in the early days of Morning Air, and it's something I always, always appreciate. That- yeah, I think, I think we met each other in, in Detroit when Mother, uh, Mother Angelica and I were uh, speaking at a conference there. 
Yes, yes, that's when we first uh, met, and uh, you know, uh, through a, a divine providence, uh, I, I became part of uh, of the. Uh, Original morning air uh, team with with you as the the first ever host and uh, the yeah. rest is history. We've we've come a long way. Uh, Jeff, can you talk uh, about uh, meditating on a, a scripture and how it helps our hearts uh, to be better prepared for the coming of the baby Jesus, our Lord and Savior, especially here at uh, at this time? Sure. Yeah. Well, you know that the the, the scriptures are make up. Uh, half of what we experience in the Mass, the Liturgy of the Word and the Liturgy of the Eucharist, and we venerate both both of them. And the reason is, is that they both are the Lord. The Word of God is the, the Lord. He is the living Word. And of course, the Eucharist is the body and blood, soul, and divinity of the Lord. And so this is the way that we are fed. And as you meditate on the Scripture, it's it's like you are resting on the scripture. You're allowing it to penetrate you. And the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword, and it does have an impact on us, and it causes us to renew our minds and think differently. Uh, and I think that a lot of people, when they face the new year, are they're going through a kind of a list of how can I think differently this coming year? Well, you can try to do it on your own strength, for sure, in your own direction, but I would highly suggest that you do it with the direction of the Lord and the strength of the Lord, because his word will accomplish that which he purposes. So there's nothing as, as powerful to meditate on as the, the word of God. And it, it's, it's changed my life, your life, and millions of people around the world. Jeff, if you remember back in the day uh, when I used to do sports uh, uh, with you as the as the host of, of Morning Air, I always did the power scripture uh, from the playbook of life at the end of the sports cast. And That's would right. you believe it? I brought it back to this day. We still do it, uh, you know, in every hour of every show. And you know, I always just remember the importance of uh, of scripture, the Word of God, as as you've reminded us. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. And that was good because you were giving people one bit of the Word of God to take into their day and hide it in their heart. And you know what happened, John, when you ask people to hide that Word in their heart, it will come up throughout the day, either to encourage you, direct you, correct you, or for somebody else. You can give it away to somebody else. But the point is, You've got to make it a habit. You can't just say that, well, the Bible is the center of our life and the Eucharist is the center of our life and then go on as as though it really isn't or what John Paul II used to call a practical atheism to believe in God, but to live as though he didn't exist. That is so absolutely spot on. Uh, Jeff, uh, you have uh, so many uh, books and tools to help us uh, really get to know the Word of God uh, so much uh, better. Can you share with us a little bit about uh, the Catholic Guide, a Catholic Guide uh, to the Old Testament, which is uh, one of your most uh, recent books? Uh, I'm sure it covers some of the uh, prophecies that we're seeing of uh, Jesus the Messiah. The Guide to the Old Testament uh, is a good, a good team that came together for that. and. Uh, what we wanted to do is we wanted to go through all of the books of the Old Testament and the periods of the Old Testament and introduce them to people at a level that everybody can grasp. Sometimes people are so afraid of the Bible because they think, well, that's an academic you know, endeavor. And it's, it's not. It's, it's a book written. It's a library written for children. It's written for God's children, daughters and sons. And so what we did is we made it 
try to make the books accessible by talking about what is the major themes in the book, uh, who is it for, uh, major events that you don't want to miss. It really does complement uh, not only the Great Adventure Bible, but it complements the Great Adventure Bible study system, uh, the Bible timeline. And so it's, it's just one more aid, a tool in your toolbox, if you will, for uh, hearing God more clearly. Because, you know, the end of all these things is not just study, but the end of it is to be a doer of the Word. And so that's what it's really, that's what it's really there for. And it also complements uh, a book that uh, Dr. Tim Gray and I wrote years ago, called Walking with God, which we go through the entire Bible in chronological order, and that brings out even more nuances uh, than the Bible study itself. So it, it all works together. Jeff, one of the things I always remember is uh, you used to say that the Bible uh, are love letters from our Heavenly Father. And when you think of them in, in that perspective, it really really uh, sheds a lot of light. Yes, you're you're right, and that's that's a perspective that we have to bring to Bible study, and whether it's Bible study or whether it's devotions, you know, just sitting down and listening. My wife and I get together every morning for our our reading time and prayer time, and and we do Lexio Divina every single uh, morning, and that's what that's what we need to to position our hearts as is it's a love letter from God to us. It's not just a history book, but it's a letter. Letters are meant to be read and cherished. And that's why uh, the perspective that you come to the Bible with is so incredibly important. Jeff, there's a big difference between just reading the Bible and actually studying the Bible at a much deeper level. Can, can, can you share with us just your thoughts on the best way uh, to study and, and, and read the Bible? There really are two different practices there. Uh, when you're studying the Bible, you're really trying to bring out the sense of it, the uh, uh, what was the intention of the author? What does it mean as it relates to Jesus? What does it mean as it relates to me or the or the future? But I, I think when it comes to the devotions and, and listening to God on a daily basis, there's a quote that I have enjoyed, and you probably have heard it too, John. Um, and I didn't come up with a quote. In fact, I don't know who really did, but it's so good. And it's, it's, it's this, nothing gets dynamic until it gets specific. That is, nothing gets dynamic. In other words, nothing gets put into motion until it gets specific. Uh, you have to isolate uh, that, that scripture and go deep into it and, and squeeze all the juice out of it. And that's when you become dynamic. You put it into practice. You, you do it in your family, at work, in your own personal life, decision-making, all of that. And, and so one of the problems that people face is they never get specific. And that is taking a scripture on a daily basis and walking with it throughout the day. So that's a real tip, I think, for devotions, is to carry it with you throughout the day. But get beyond the, the, the broader scheme and, and get specific with it. Talking about just some basic stuff, uh, having the proper translation is, is so important from a Catholic perspective. Obviously, you as a, a former Protestant pastor understand this because not all translations are the same. No, they're not. They're not. You know, the, the Bible that we have as Catholics is the, uh, the same canon that the early church had. Uh, the early church followed what was called the Septuagint, the Greek Old Testament. And that Greek Old Testament uh, had seven books in it that the Protestant Reformation uh, decided not to go with by taking a different canon. 
And, uh, and so we have 73 books in our Bible. We are consistent with that early church and, uh, and for years and centuries. And so those books contribute in a powerful way, particularly books like the Maccabees, which, which tells us what happened just before Jesus in the Roman Empire. And that was with the Seleucids and the Ptolemies, the Greek, the Greek Empire, Alexander the Great, Sirach. My wife and I have, have decided that is one of our all-time favorite books. It is so practical. It's like a sister to the book of Proverbs. And, and so, yeah, the Bible is, is important, and it's important that it's a, a Bible that is uh, okayed by, by the church. And so we have two of them in the United States that we use typically. That's the New American Bible, which is used in the Mass, and then the RSV Catholic Edition, which is what the Catechism uses. And that's what the Great Adventure Bible is, the RSV Catholic Edition. Most of the scholars that I talk to today or listen to uh, use that. They use the RSV Catholic edition. It's accurate. It's uh, smooth and uh, really, really enjoyable. Uh, Jeff, uh, what are your thoughts on uh, uh, digital Bibles versus an actual uh, Bible? I like mine, you know, the real Bible that you can turn the pages and <laughs> underline it and write little notes. I still have that old beat up Bible. I mean, it, 20 years later, it's still in really good shape, but it's all marked up and got lots and lots of little notes in the margins. Uh, what, what, what are your thoughts on uh, digital versus the real thing? Well, first, I would say that your Bible, as I remember it, is up there with, uh, as far as messiness and writing, <laughs> it's up there with Scott Hansel's Bible. And uh, you really, you really, that was a workhorse for you. But uh, it's interesting, that question you ask, I asked that same question a few years ago, and there was a gentleman who was doing national polls, and he was doing one, I think it was for... Uh, focus, I think. And I asked him the question. I said, well, can you find out for me? Because I have an, a hypothesis that when it comes to devotions, uh, when it comes to daily reading and that intimacy with the Word of God, young people today would prefer a paper Bible that is theirs and they can travel with them over an electronic Bible. However, when it comes to quickly looking up the Scripture or, um, or, or finding something quick, they'll go to an electric, electronic Bible or an app. Uh, and uh, the, the study, uh, I remember the gentleman called me back and he said, you were right in spades. You know, that it's exactly the way it is, is that when it comes to the loving relationship, they do want a paper Bible, but when it comes to portability and accessibility on the run, they will go to a digital Bible. But let me, you mentioned, writing in it, underlining it, making cross-references. I can tell you one thing for sure, that no, nobody will put in their will that they are going to bequeath their digital app to one of their sons or daughters. They will, they will bequeath a, a paper Bible that they have been living in for years, and that will, that will mean everything to them. I doubt that kids are going to get their dad's app on the phone and then look at it fondly throughout the years. And that was my conversation with Jeff Cavins, the founding host of Morning Air. For more, visit jeffcavins.com. And now it's time for another episode of Glenn Story Corner. Our story today is called The Real MVP. One more Christmas story for you here. It's by Bill Young. I realized something while watching It's a Wonderful Life recently. It was something I missed the first 3,317 or so times I watched it. 
That is, I think the hero of the story isn't George, it's Mary. The movie starts off with Mary praying for God to be with George. Her prayer and others is the catalyst for the angel Clarence being sent to George. Mary is the one who sees the beauty of the old broken down house. It's full of romance, that old place. Now George sees empty space. Mary sees a space that can be filled with a family's love. That's why George kisses the broken banister knob in the end. He finally sees what Mary always saw in that house. Mary saw it on the day of their wedding. She was the one who transformed the house into the honeymoon suite. Of course, that happened after she had the idea to offer her $2,000 in honeymoon money to the people of the town during the bank run. When George is depressed by his friends, moving onward and upward in the world, and thinks he's a disappointment to his wife because of it, Mary makes it clear she didn't want to marry anybody else in town. Never complaining, she worked day after day to remake the old Granville house into a home. This while having four children and running the USO. Finally, Mary's the one who goes all over town to ask for help for her husband. Uncle Billy remarks, Mary did it, George, Mary did it. I'd never noticed her expression before when Uncle Billy says this. She's in the background as he says it and mouths no while shaking her head and moves further into the background. It's an incredibly subtle but important feature of her character. Do good for others, but let others receive the credit. She moves fully into the background so that everyone giving money to George can come front and center. This was all orchestrated by Mary, but she fades into the background. And the picture where Mary again is in the background? Over George's shoulder. The one watching over George all these years was Mary. She was such a guardian angel to George as Clarence was. In the end, George was a good man, even a great one. He was, after all, the richest man in town. But would he have accomplished all he did? Been the man he was without Mary? I think the answer is definitely not. And there are many such Marys in this world who quietly go about, offering their prayers, works, and sufferings, raising their children, praying for their husbands, and making them ten times the men they would have been without them. Most of their deeds won't be known this side of heaven. Until they're known, we, the Georges of this world, offered you Marys our profound thank you. And we promise to keep trying to lasso the moon for you. You deserve nothing less. From Genesis 2.18, the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper suited to him. Thanks so much, uh, Glenn. Really appreciate the reminder of all the Marys out there. I love that story corner. On this last day of the Christmas season, let's honor our Lord Jesus Christ and our Blessed Mother Mary by praying and watching the Family Rosary Across America with Father Rocky and Maggie at 7 p.m. Central tonight and every night of the week here on Relevant Radio and the new Relevant Radio app. That'll do it for this Monday, January 8th, 2024 edition of Morning Air for Glenn Leverance, producer Sarah Tafoya, Gabby Burke, Young Thomas, and our entire Morning Air team. I'm John Morales. Thanks so much for joining us. Let your light shine before all. God bless America. We'll see you tomorrow on the next edition of Morning Air. The Patrick Madrid Show is up next.